This is The Big Question, where we do our best to answer questions from young disciples at Grace Presbyterian Church and to be at peace with the mysteries that we can't explain. I'm Pastor Mark, your host, and in this episode, we have questions from Amara, Joanna, Caleb, Tim, and Benton. First, we'll tackle a few serious questions. Then we'll take a look at this episode's big question. And as always, we'll wrap things up at the end with a few fun questions. We'll begin with a couple of serious questions. We have questions today from Amara and from Joanna. Here's Amara's question. If there were so many translations of the Bible, which one was the first English translation? Well, Amara, Bible translation into English as we know it really begins with the Reformation. There were some translations before the Reformation. For example, John Wycliffe's translation, which was in the 1300s. But you wouldn't have been able to read them because that was Middle English, not the kind of English that we speak now. It was only really in the 1500s that you started seeing English translations that we could go back and read and recognize really well as English. The first real English translator was a man named William Tyndale. And he was actually martyred for his translation work in 1536. But fortunately, the year before his death, his translation was used by a printer named Miles Coverdale to make the very first printed whole Bible in the English language. And William Tyndale's translation ended up being a major influence on all of the English translations that came after it. The King James Bible, for example, which came out in 1611, was influenced to a huge degree by Tyndale's work. And the King James went on not only to shape other English translations of the Bible, but to shape the English language itself. Now, at church, we use the English Standard Version. And although that is a more modern translation, it does follow in the tradition that Tyndale and the King James Bible created. Now, you'll notice sometimes that the ESV is not as easy to read as some modern translations, but it is what the publishers call essentially literal. So you can still recognize Bible quotations and and passages from earlier translations when they show up in literature and other sources. Now, the funny thing is, we tend to take for granted the fact that we can read the Bible in our own language, but the reality is a lot of people sacrificed so that that could happen. It's a good reminder to us that we should take advantage of those sacrifices and read Scripture, because we are privileged to have it in the English language. Now, Joanna asks, why do we have candles on the communion table? Well, you're right, Joanna. On either side of the communion table, there are these two tall candlesticks. And before our services begin on Sunday mornings, I always take a moment and light those candles. Now, I'm sure it must seem like everything at church is a symbol, and there's always some kind of special meaning behind everything. But in this case, honestly, the candles are just candles. They're part of the decoration, but they're they're not part of the symbolism of the communion table. Well, even so, though, I, I like to think that they contribute to our preparation for the meal of the Lord's Supper. 
If you think about it, when you host a feast at your house, when you're welcoming guests and, and doing things really nicely, you'll often light some candles on the table to make it special. So when you come into church and you see those candles burning, you might think of it as a welcome, as a reminder that we are coming to the table at the end of the service. And now it's time for the big question. This week's big question comes from Caleb, who asks, Is the Bible holy? If it is holy, why is it? And if it's not holy, why not? (laughs) Caleb, books usually have their titles on the cover, and if you look at the spine of your Bible, or in the front cover, you'll probably find the words Holy Bible there. So that's the simple answer. Yes, the Bible is holy because it says so on the front cover. But you know me, even when there is a simple answer, I like to think about all the ins and outs and understand why it's the answer. And obviously, Caleb feels the same. He wants to know why the Bible's holy. So to understand that, we have to step back a little bit and think about what this word holy actually means. So another way of communicating the idea of holiness would be to talk about perfection or righteousness or purity. But none of those words quite capture what holiness is about, because at its root, holy means set apart. The things in the Bible that are described as holy are things that have been set aside or set apart for a special use. In other words, they've been dedicated to God uniquely. They're not like ordinary things. Holy things are set apart for God. So, obviously, God is holy, and so everything set apart for God is holy, and God calls us to be holy like he is. Now, if you remember, as we were working through the night visions of Zechariah, when we talked about the high priest's garments in the fifth night vision, that was the one that had the inscribed stone, I I talked about the way that the high priest would be dressed. And one of the interesting things about his garments was he had a special turban, a headdress. And as part of it, there was a, a badge or a metal plate that was on his forehead. And it was inscribed with these words, holy to the Lord, holy to the Lord. Now, that meant that the priest and the people that he represented were uniquely set apart for God. They were God's people. Now, ultimately, that's what being holy is all about. Being holy means being God's, belonging to God. So now consider the Bible. The 66 books of the Bible are all inspired by God. They are God's word. There's no other book that can say that. The Bible belongs to God uniquely. The Bible's perfect. It's righteous. It's pure. It has all of the hallmarks that we associate with holiness. And that is why we call the Bible holy. Because it is a book that came from God, a book that belongs to God, a book that reveals God to us. And because that's what the Bible is, because it is holy, that's why we should love the Bible and learn it and meditate on it. 
Because if we are God's people, then God's book was written for us. God's book was written so that we could learn from it, that we could learn what we're meant to be. If we're called to be holy, then we should search the scriptures to find out what holiness actually means. For our closing segment, let's take on a few fun questions from Tim and Benton. Tim has a fun Bible question. He wants to know, what is your favorite book in the Bible? Well, Tim, the last time this question came up, I chose the book of Hebrews, and I'm going to stick with that. Having said that, the book of Zechariah has really been amazing to me. I don't know what you thought about it, but as we've been working chapter by chapter through Zechariah, it's really surprised me with how relevant it is and how fascinating. It might not be my favorite book in all the Bible, but I'm going to say Zechariah is now definitely my favorite minor prophet. Now Benton has a question. Benton's in a playful mood. He asks, what is your favorite board game? Well, Benton, I always loved strategy games. So as a kid, I really loved Risk, which is all about world conquest. And actually, one of my goals as a preteen was to conquer the world. And so I found Risk super helpful. I actually made my own version of the, the playing board so that I could work on some of my future strategies and campaigns for taking over the world. Things took a different turn in life, and, and I haven't really done a lot of the conquest that I thought I would, but still, I like Risk a lot. There was another game called Stratego that I liked. It was supposed to be uh, a Napoleonic battleground. You know how much I love the wars of Napoleon. So Stratego, I'm not sure if you can still get that one, but, but if you can, it's kind of interesting. But my favorite game of all time has to be the classic chess. I'm not necessarily good at chess, but I do love the game and I love playing. And I also love cool chess sets. So of all the board games out there, I think I would have to choose chess as my favorite. Well, that's all for now. Thanks for listening to The Big Question. Until next time, remember, if we're going to find the answers, then we have to ask the questions. So never be afraid to ask and never be satisfied with easy answers. The truth will always stand up to scrutiny. So until next time, keep asking the big questions.